Welcome to Carolina True Crime, a podcast presented by WMBF News in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, where we take a deep dive into infamous crimes from the Carolinas, some with clear endings and others where mystery remains. News Director at WNBF News, and today I'm speaking with Brad Dickerson, our Digital Content Manager. Um, Brad, today we're talking about a woman, Sean Neal, who died here in 1996. Who was Sean Neal? Sean Neal, she was a 23-year-old mother. She lived in Leland, North Carolina. Um, right outside of Wilmington. Right, exactly. And she, she came down here for a vacation, or at least that's what it seemed to be to her family, was a vacation. And uh, she was supposed to meet someone at, it was the Windy Shores 2 Condominium Complex. That's on South Ocean Boulevard in North Myrtle Beach. In North Myrtle, okay. And unfortunately, that would be the last time that anyone would ever hear from her again. And it's When a case, she left Leland? Mm-hmm. Okay. When she left Leland's. And 23 years later, her, her death is still an unsolved mystery. The very definition of a cold case. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So did her family know who she was going to meet? That's... That's where it's interesting. They don't. Um, her mother, Sandy, um, I spoke with her a couple years ago, and her mother said, she, I asked her, I said, you know, who, who would want to hurt your daughter? And she thought it could have been related to her line of work, and she told me, quote, I don't really know what she did. I guess she was an escort, but she never said escort. An escort, and her mother knew that. Does that mean a prostitute? I, that's how I took it. Um, her mother didn't say the word prostitute, but mm-hmm. when I hear escort, I think that's what comes to my mind. Or someone someone who is going to, you know, be a companion for someone else. You know, in exchange for something. In exchange something. for money, yeah. you know, maybe gifts. Right. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, when she said escort, I thought, you know, either prostitutes or, you know, just someone who is going to meet someone and be a companion, for okay. lack of a better term. But she was a mother. She had children. She was a mother. She has a she has a young daughter. That daughter is now in her late twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, her name is Kirsten Benninger, and she was only three years old when her mother uh, was killed. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sean wasn't married or anything at the time. Mm-hmm. How do you spell Sean? Just for my visual, is it just like S H S H A W N? Okay. Mm-hmm. So yes. I got, that's you know you usually mm-hmm. hear that as a boy's name. But mm-hmm. um, what do we know about her life in Leland? Do we? Um, not a lot about her life in Leland uh, beyond that some, um, her family, when they were, when Sean was younger, her and her brother Troy, they would take family trips uh, down to the North Myrtle Beach area. So mm-hmm. it was a place, it was a happy place for the family, as Sandy recounted to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they had trips at the beach. Um, her kids actually worked with them in the family's bakery. And, mm-hmm. um, Sandy remembered receiving a ruby ring on Mother's Day from both Sean and Troy when they were kids. Mm. And so a lot of happy memories, yeah. it sounds like, from childhood. And it sounds like they were a pretty steady family. I mean, Sa- they ran a bake- bakery. And- yes, yeah, ran a family business. Um, yeah, sound like a really steady, you know, happy family. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, tragedy entered into the picture. And as we have seen before in this area, people, you know, they come to visit. And unfortunately... For whatever reason, whatever circumstance, um, it just ends in Sometimes disaster and tragedy. Bad things happen, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, so walk me through walk me through this case. What do we know? 
Well, it was June 1st, 1996. Um, that's when she was supposed to meet whoever she was supposed to meet. It was the Windy Shores 2 condo complex, South Ocean Boulevard. And um, people just, they didn't hear from Sean. And um, they called the police to go and check on them to find out what was happening. And so they tried, maybe like, is it that she didn't come home or, I mean, this is crazy, but this is a little pre-cell phone. I mean, everybody didn't have cell phones in 96. Yeah, the late, yeah, the mid-90s, yeah. Cell phones were kind of a new fad. You know, right. They were still the size of phone books, some of them were. Right, so, so it wasn't like they were like calling her cell phone and she wasn't answering. Exactly. It must have been Just something else. Just hadn't heard anything. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they knew that she was down here mm-hmm. for whatever reason. That's still kind of a mystery. So yeah, police went to the condo and they discovered at that point that she had been rendered defenseless and had been strangled. Rendered defenseless mm-hmm. means she tied dead. Mm-hmm. Oh, tied up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Um, one of the so all- tied up and strangled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the officers he said he when he got there he knocked on the condo's door. He saw there was a door jam that was split, and then he went inside. He said he saw a shoe that was laying directly in front of him. And it was a high-heeled black shoe, and then something right then told him that something was wrong, mm. obviously. That image of that high-heeled shoe, mm-hmm. like the forebodingness of it, you exactly, know. Exactly, mm. exactly. And, and the fact the door jam was split, so mm-hmm. somebody had forced their way in, seemingly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. Um, at that point, the officer, he drew a service weapon, stepped into the room. He said, you know, announced himself as a police officer. And then that's when he saw Sean Neal hanging from a doorknob down the hall from what he perceived to be the master bedroom. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. So like sitting on the floor with something around her neck mm-hmm. hanging from yeah. there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Horrible, horrible. It's horrible fine for any officer. I would venture to say anyone would tell you. Mm-hmm. And um, Did you talk to this guy? The Phil officer? Webster. Phil Webster. That's right. That's right. He's mm-hmm. a former police former chief there. Police chief. Mm-hmm. Sure was. Wow. Yeah. Phil Webster. Yeah. He had already retired at this point. Mm-hmm. When you talked to him. When I talked to him. But this was late 19, or I'm sorry, late 2017. Mm-hmm. But he, even talking to him, you could tell this is a case that still haunts him. Yeah. Just as most officers will tell you, you know, there's always that one case that they wish they could crack and they wish they could have solved. And they don't know if it keeps them up at nights, but one that they always remember. Yeah. And this appears to be that case for uh, former police chief Phil Webster. Tell me more about the scene. What else do mm-hmm. we, like, how is she tied up? Is she is she wearing anything? They didn't, they didn't tell me at the yeah, time. Yeah, they didn't yeah, get specific they, about that. They didn't that. get okay. that specific at the time. Um, hadn't seen the reports on it, but um, I know that um, at that point, they had, you know, they had investigators on the scene. Um, they started searching nearby trash cans, and they were looking for, you know, any clue that someone could have thrown away just anything mm-hmm. that, um, you know, could have pointed them to a suspect, could have pointed them to what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, they did develop some suspects in that case, but they never made an arrest here. 23 years later, they've never made an arrest in the case. And this is maybe a dumb question. Is this also before a lot of surveillance cameras? It was in that case, yeah, in, yeah, it's mid to mid nineties. So yeah, surveillance cameras, they're around, but again, they're not as prevalent. Not every condo is going to have them. Not every condo is going to have them. You've got, I mean, you've got now every street corner, it seems like they have a surveillance camera. Oh yeah, well, literally they do Literally anymore, yes. But, but yeah, this time, yeah, there's just, they didn't have a lot of surveillance cameras to look at. It truly was a case of, I guess for lack of a better term, old school detective work. 
It seems like the fact that somebody either kicked the door in or shoved their way in or something, you would think neighbors would have heard something. Mm-hmm. And it's June, so you would think there'd be a lot of people at the mm-hmm. condo. Yeah. But and there's just there nothing. Was nothing. There was nothing. Um, I know in talking, I remember talking to Sandy's mother and... Sean's sorry, mother. Sean's mother. Sean's Sandy. Mother, Sandy, mm-hmm. yep. And, you know, wonder if maybe it was a former boyfriend. Right. Um, that was kind of a suspicion of hers. And rightfully so. I think most cases with this, you know, young girl winds up dead, they're going to think a boyfriend. Right. Um, a husband. It's a crime of passion. It's a crime right? of passion. It's... Exactly. Exactly. But they never they never went after this boyfriend. They never arrested this boyfriend. I'm, and Do you know if they questioned him? I, I know she told me that they did talk to him. Mm-hmm. But they never... They never made an arrest. And it just kind of, her telling me that, you know, I think she was an escort. And this is strictly from watching too much Law and Order. But the scene as it was described to me, and I can't help but think, you know, is this, you know, definitely a crime of passion. Was it somebody who, you know, said, okay, going to meet with her, do whatever for a while. And then, okay, maybe I don't want to pay. pay. Mm -hmm. I don't want to, you know, deal with her. Right. or was it, was it a case of robbery? Was somebody hmm. looking, you know, hey, if she's in this line of business, maybe she's got a lot of cash on her. That's true. I so. hadn't thought about that. Mm-hmm. Had she, do we know, like, had she rented the ho- the room? Do we know that? If They didn't, never mention about kind of how, who paid for the room, mm-hmm. how, you know, whose name it was in. Yeah. I would venture to say that probably she was meeting someone there is, mm-hmm. as the story was told to me, that was my interpretation Mm -hmm. i know the family still has a lot of unanswered questions uh, rightfully so 23 years later almost you know almost a quarter of a century and do you know if i mean i I guess i'm thinking this because we're doing a a special on this right now but was there a rape kit done do they think that she was sexually assaulted or never mentioned a rape kit never mentioned a rape kit i would think they would do fingerprints and stuff absolutely absolutely Mm -hmm. it just mm. it's just yeah it's just it's baffling it's baffling now to think about it in, you know, in 2019 when, you know, we've been inundated with all this advancements in technology and CSI right. you know, and surveillance cameras. Right. But if you think about it, that time, it's still a lot of it was just, you know, a lot of, you know, boots on the street detective work. Right. And you didn't have as much forensic evidence as you do now. And it's unfortunate that's. Yeah. You know, modern technology wasn't modern back then. But, you know, even with all that modern technology, we still have Brittany Drexel. We, we still, still have, have Heather Drexel. Elvis. We still have Heather you know, Elvis. It's like people can still somehow get away with mm-hmm. doing whatever to young girls. Yeah. Um, what what else did Webster say about it? Did he talk about... Was he by himself, do you know, when he walked in that room? He, he said he was the first officer that was called to the scene. Mm-hmm. And it started out just as a welfare check. Just, oh, because their family is looking exactly. for her. Yeah, they're looking for her, yeah. So yeah, he was the first officer to arrive, mm-hmm. and then when he discovered what he discovered, that's when he called it in. That's when the investigation started. Mm-hmm. Um, just they they looked at it. They're still looking at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just found out just a couple weeks ago that um, they're actually sending evidence to be retested for DNA. Evidence. Oh, so awesome! So there could be a break. There could be a break. You you hope so. Um, you it's I mean not the police are ever going to give up on a case, but it's nice to know that a case that has so much time on it, that they are now, you know, they're still actively pursuing it. They're still actively looking at it. And hopefully maybe advances in technology, maybe we'll give them that break in the case they've been looking for for almost 25 years. Mm. Um, 
a sad a sad note to this story um, is just obviously the death itself was tragic, mm-hmm. but it it wasn't the first time this family would deal with tragedy. Um, I mentioned um, Sean's brother uh, Troy. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I mean we all deal with grief in different ways, and according to Sandy. Troy dealt with it with drugs. Oh no! Um, to yet to dull the pain, um, and it started a downward spiral. And unfortunately, this mother lost another child. Uh, he overdosed and died. Um, or you just mean like he got into the drug life um, and he pulled a pulled a gun out and shot himself in front of his mother. <gasps> oh my gosh, that just gave me chills. Mm-hmm. That's horrible. And yep. she attributes that suicide to the drugs. Just, yeah, yeah she said, yeah, I went in there and stood and he took a gun and just shot himself. He didn't want to be here anymore. So she probably feels like whoever killed Sean killed Troy too. Exactly. It's a case where whoever is guilty of one murder in a mother's eyes is guilty of two. Yeah. Um, so yes, her two children are just taken from this earth. Mm. Um, it's, for me, unfathomable, unfathomable to think about. And yeah. Although I remember in speaking with her and just, I envision like someone who would just be just browbeaten, but she had a, had a strength to her mm-hmm. uh, and a resilience. Um, I remember speaking to her, she was very animated, you know, very bubbly, just a very friendly, pleasant woman. And she has had, she had 21 years when you were speaking exactly, with her to exactly deal with process, that. But, yeah. but even still just, I envision like someone like maybe have just like haunting behind right, her eyes, right, but right. she didn't. And my hat went off to her, just, you know, how you're able to process, you know, the death of your two children and yeah. knowing that the person or persons responsible for the death of one of them is still out there. And right. You, you don't know where he is or yeah. she is. So. Um, one other question. Do you know what she was strangled with? Like, did it, with it was rope or a tie or anything like that? Um, They told me it was a tie. A tie. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's one of those cases that I know if I was a police officer, this would be one that would keep me up at nights. Yeah. And just one, just the fact it's still not been solved. And I think they want to bring closure to this family mm-hmm. and a family who's been torn apart. Um, this young girl, or Sean's daughter, I mm-hmm. mean, she's now, like I said, she's late twenties. Some. Um, She's now living in Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, I think the one good thing it sounds like that came out of this, um, once Kirsten's mother was dead, um, then she kind of wasn't involved in her grandmother's life. But over the last couple of years, they've reconnected. Oh, good. And I remember Kirsten told me that, you know, she's now, she's like my hero, like my, my guardian angel. Aww. And so, like, that was sweet to hear that, yeah. you know, that grandmother and granddaughter were able to grow and become mm-hmm. close. So mm-hmm. just that... That was a good thing to hear, and you know, I'm sure that was a silver lining for Sandy that you know she reconnected with her with her granddaughter. Yeah, I bet she looks like her daughter. You know, I've seen pictures, yeah. and yes, um, obviously Sandy was very young, mm-hmm. but or, I'm sorry, Sean was very young. But yeah, the pictures I saw of her daughter, even when her daughter was younger, and I'm like, wow, I can see the similarity. Yeah, and yeah, a picture I saw of her just in the last couple of years, I'm like, okay. Never met your mom, but right. just the photos I've seen, I, I see a resemblance. Yeah. Well, if any of that DNA evidence comes back, we will have to... We hope so. Yep. Update um, everybody. Exactly. I put in a call just actually a couple weeks ago and still waiting to, you know, waiting for any updates because I, you know, having 
been involved, well, not been involved, but, you know, telling this story, mm-hmm. I'm interested to know. You feel I, invested I, in I feel it, invested. Too. I'm invested in yeah. it. So I'm, I think that's, you know, something I think a lot of us as journalists, you know, we get invested in stories as well, and we want to know the outcomes. So Absolutely. I'm hoping, I'm hoping this one will, there will be a break for this family. And maybe if somebody's listening to this podcast right now, maybe they know something. Exactly. Maybe, maybe they were staying at that condo 23 mm-hmm. years ago. You never know. You never know. So yeah, this, yeah, this is a, this is a plea. If you all know anything, police are still actively looking into this case. So yeah. give them a call if you have any information. Awesome. Thank you, Brad. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Carolina True Crime, a podcast presented by WMBF News. To learn more about the story you heard here and other mysteries and crimes from across the Carolinas, go to our website, wmbfnews.com.